0: Slam me, a go. Slam me, Hit it up the park. Hit it up the park. Hit him with a strike. Hit him with a strike. From the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I am in me, a go. Slendy, me, a go. Slam a go. Slam me, You already know what's up. What's that? Another run? But you know the job ain't done till we hold that trophy up. Hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three hundred. Not not three hundred. Sorry, I'm so used to saying three hundred something. Episode four hundred of the Talking For Hours podcast and YouTube show. Yeah, we've made it to four hundred episodes. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. Episode four hundred. Um, there's there's a couple of topics I wanted to hit on today. Some Padres, some San Diego MLS, some San Diego State. A little bit there too. Uh, But off day, I put out a show earlier today, episode 399, with Rob Bradford of WEEI, Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. Um, He is, he's someone who covers the Red Sox. So we discussed the Padres Red Sox series that's coming up starting tomorrow, the pitching matchups, how the Padres are doing, which isn't that great, how the Red Sox are doing. Uh, I, I think they're exceeding expectations so far this year. So I encourage you to check that out. Rob has a great pulse of uh, the Red Sox, what, how they're doing. Um, and he'll be in San Diego this weekend uh, for the, the first game that Xander Bogarts will be playing against the Red Sox as a member of the San Diego Padres. Uh, so that was three ninety nine dollars Today, I want to talk about the offense because obviously that is the big topic of discussion around the San Diego Padres. Get to some MLS stuff uh, because the official announcement, the, the press conference was today, and that includes a San Diego Padre in there. And then we'll hit on San Diego State. They just landed a transfer, so I want to talk about that at the end. Just waiting for some to get in here. If you want to use that Super Chat button, feel free to do so. That supports me, supports the channel and it makes sure that I get to your comment because sometimes, like last night, there were a ton of comments uh, in the chat, and it made it hard to get to everyone. So if you want to make sure I get to you, you can guarantee that by hitting that super chat button. If you want to join the show, the link, as always, it is pinned up there in the chat. So if you want to give your thoughts on this offense, what do you think is the fix? Like, how do they fix this offense? For me, it's sort of like, got to play better. Um, and that's pretty much that, uh, you know, be a little smarter in certain situations and we're definitely going to get to that and, you know, execute when you have runners in scoring position and go up there with a plan instead of just trying to swing for the fences, because that's what I've been seeing a little bit with this Padres offense. So just want to set up I just did set up the show and, So let's get into it with this offense. So I was reading Kevin AC and his, his newsletter kind of sparked this show idea for me today, this morning, he was talking about uh, just the offense and what some quotes were with some guys. And I was like, Hmm, that's, that's interesting what they're saying. And so Kevin was saying uh, earlier today, like the Padres, they believe that their problem is how they go about working during games. If you're, by the way, if you're not the YouTube audience, and so on the screen it, it says, "What do the Padres need to do better?" Like that's the main question for tonight. Uh, the title, I guess, you'll see it too. What what Padres players think they need to do better. Um, so that's the theme here. And AC's talking about how the the Padres believe that their problem is how they go about working during the games. It's not that they don't care. Like the preparations off going into games or anything like that, like Xander Bogarts made sure to make that clear to the media, Matt Carpenter made sure to make that clear to the media yesterday after the game. Pretty much everyone spoke. I I think maybe Soto didn't, uh, but pretty much everyone did. Manny did, Tatis, Crony, Xander, Carpenter. Uh, I think Musgrove spoke before the game. Might have done it after the game too. Uh, Grisham, Nola, like everyone spoke pretty much. Um, and so like during games is the problem, Bogart saying it's attention to detail anticipation. And I'll actually load this Kevin AC article up here, just trying to read some of it. So again, it's attention to detail. This coming from Xander Bogart saying, but there's a lot of other stuff that we have to clean up that is for sure really in your control. And I'm not saying work ethic or anything like that, because that's been on point anticipating and attention to detail is one thing that I feel will push us over the hump. So anticipation, um, like realizing what situation you're going into, going into the batter's box. Are there guys on base? Is there a runner on first? Is there runners in scoring position with less than two outs? Like instead of just going up there looking to hit home runs or uh, what, what's the count? You know, if it's Oh, two, should you be swinging out of your shoes? Probably not, right? Uh, like little things like that is what it seems like Bogart is referring to here. Uh, Matt Carpenter says, I think that you've just got to start seeing committed better at bats all the way up and down the lineup and a commitment to execute in situations when we get in a situation. I would be the first to get on our group if we weren't working like we should or we weren't taking this serious enough or we weren't preparing like we should. It, it's just not the case but we're not executing on it. That's reality. And there's an element to the game of baseball and in this job and good teams, they execute. So we've got to find a way to do it. So there you go. Execution. Like they're preparing good. They've got plenty of information. That's kind of part of the reasoning why I don't think changing up the coaching staff or firing Ryan Flaherty would do a whole lot right now for the Padres Uh, or firing one of the other, a million hitting coaches that they have or hitting assistants. Like, For me, I think it's on the players being able to execute in these situations. And you look at some of these situations here in this Kansas City series, just examples of bad situational baseball. On Wednesday, so yesterday, fourth inning, second and third, one out. Grisham strikes out swinging. Nola strikes out. I believe both of those pitches were on fastballs. And again, it's it's easy for us to sit here and Say, well, you got to hit that 97 mile per hour fastball or, or 95 or whatever the velocity is, right? And that would be hard for us to do it. But I think it's okay for us to expect that from these guys because it's their job to do it. You know, if it was my job to hit a 95 mile per hour fastball that's down the middle and I'm not doing it, I would expect fans to get on me uh, and be pissed off about it. And I'm not saying Grish isn't pissed off about it, he is uh nola's pissed off about it uh but it's the execution there like fourth inning there second and third one out so grisha comes up to the plate there's less than two outs there you got a runner on third what is the situation there right you have two strikes on you in that spot when you strike out obviously entering that pitch should you be swinging out of your shoes i don't think so i think you should be looking to put the ball in play you should be looking to hit a fly ball And that's easier for me, easier said than done. I understand that, but it's the people, it's the players that it seems like they're swinging out of their shoes in situations that they shouldn't be. That's where I kind of get frustrated. Like if you're not swinging out of your shoes and you just have a light toe tap with two strikes and it was a nasty pitch and you swung and missed. Okay. I mean, we're still going to be frustrated, but it's, it's the approach a little bit what I'm seeing, Um, you know, just, trying to make contact instead of prioritizing your a swing you know not not, i don't think every swing in every count every situation especially when you're struggling i don't think all the swings need to be your a swing like i'm trying to hit this ball 400 feet no just get the job done and i think that's what carpenter's talking about just seeing better at bats execution in situations when we get into that certain situation uh, Bogart's talking about the anticipation, right? Like in the bat, in uh, the on deck circle, you know, anticipating. Okay. So if this guy gets out, there's going to be two outs or going up to the plate. I know there's not a whole lot of time, but that's why you prepare before the at bat, right? Prepare on the on deck circle. All right. This guy, if he gets on base, there's going to be two outs still, there's going to be runners on first and third, or whatever the situation is. And you kind of visualize all right, what do I need to do in this spot? How many outs are there? You know? Um, and I think, you, look, I haven't played in the big leagues, obviously, but I assume that the batters, when there's two strikes on them in the big leagues, especially with guys that have been in the big leagues for multiple years, it's not like it's their rookie year, like someone like Brett Sullivan, they've been there. You've had two strikes on you, and you've probably had a runner on third with less than two outs, right? So I don't think you should have to have a minute to take a couple deep breaths before getting into the box with two strikes on you. I think you should know, what's my job here? What should I be doing here? Especially when you're struggling as much as someone like Trent Grisham is. And I know it seems like I'm picking on Trent Grisham only. That's just the first situation that I've brought up. Sixth inning yesterday, second and third, no outs. It's Grish again. He struck out swinging. I mean, he struck out four times yesterday, so it's gonna come up. He struck out again. There, it's not even like there's one out there. There's no outs there. Like, don't swing out of your shoes. Um, Solomon struck out at a ball that was at, like at his head. I know he's a rookie, so I probably shouldn't be as hard on him as someone like Grish. But knowing the situation, knowing who's pitching. Um, I I believe that pitcher, I forget who was pitching, but he had been wild in that spot. Was it Chapman or was, no, I think that was the seventh inning that Chapman pitched. but still it was a pitch that Sullivan shouldn't have swung at. Right. So it's the anticipation. It's the execution like Carpenter's talking about when there's guys in runners, when there's runners in scoring position, when you have those opportunities in the seventh inning bases loaded one out and Grish strikes out looking. You can't strike out looking in that spot. You got to go down swinging. And I'd rather have him go down hacking. Even if it's try- he's trying to go 400 feet to right field, I'd rather have him do that than not swing at all because at least you're giving yourself a chance to make contact. I'd rather have him take like a B or a C swing to make contact with less than two outs and try to get a job done. Um, but you can't strike out looking in spots, especially when, you know, the base is loaded like that or you got runners in scoring position. Striking out looking cannot happen. Unless it's a bad call by the umpire, then I understand that. But that wasn't a bad call. He, he, that was a strike and he didn't swing. Um, so, yeah, those those are just some situations. And that was Wednesday. Tuesday, obviously, in the eighth inning. I mean, this isn't at the plate, but it's anticipation with Odor or just realizing the situation. You got the eighth inning, runner on third, bogey's on third. Your run, okay, that's the go-ahead run, but it's not like you're trying to steal there. He gets picked off. Again, he wasn't trying to steal, and he doesn't even dive back. Like, what are you doing there? You got to anticipate, okay, what if he picks off? Is my lead too long here? Is it too big? I'm not trying to steal. Should my lead be a little bit shorter? Can I get back if this guy picks off? And obviously Odor couldn't so it's those little things like being better situationally for the Padres. I think that's what, I mean, the players obviously are saying it, like that's what they need to do better. And I thought Kevin AC, I'll get to the chat here in a second. I thought Kevin AC, he also said something. Uh, he also provided a Musgrove quote too this morning about the Padres. They're, they're going to be getting together as a group more often on off days in Washington, DC, Miami, this upcoming road trip to kind of like, just get away from baseball and, you know, have some fun together away from the field, which was interesting because I, it seemed like they have pretty good clubhouse chemistry, you know, with the pinata stuff and things that we've seen publicly. You know, Nick Martinez wearing the Tatis hair yesterday, which was hilarious. I mean, that was the best moment of the game because the Padres obviously lost to the freaking Kansas City Royals. Um, that was hilarious. I mean, I, Things that I've seen seems like pretty good clubhouse chemistry, but I guess it can't hurt to go out uh, and get away from baseball and all that. You know, Musgrove saying you want to have fun as a group, and we haven't had a whole lot of fun. So I guess they're going to be planning on going out in the community, uh, not in the community, um, well, I guess technically, in other communities on road trips to – you know, get away from the field, you know, mentally uh, just get away from the game. And maybe that'll help maybe because it feels like right now, there are definitely some guys that are clenching that bat tight and really pressing. I mean, Manny admitted it, right. When was that? Was it the, I think it was during the Dodger series or after the Dodger series, there's multiple players. I believe if I remember correctly, that have admitted that, yeah, there's pressing going on. Bob Melvin has said it multiple times in his post-game pressers that, yeah, there's there's pressing that is going on. So I, I think maybe sometimes they're spending too much time at the yard. And I love dedication. And, you know, I'm not a lazy person. Um, I'm someone that loves people that work hard. But sometimes in baseball it feels like these players can't, you know, especially when you're in a slump, you want to just keep going and keep working. Maybe sometimes it's better to just get away mentally and maybe this off day is good, even though today, maybe today is not the best example because I guess there's that dinner on the diamond event that's happening right now at Petco. So the players have to be there and they're, they're, they have to be talking with fans at these, uh, at the tables at Petco on the field, the these families that probably spent thousands of dollars on this or whatever, hundreds of dollars. I, I have no idea how much it cost, but so they don't really get away totally from it today, but. You know, road trips like that, you know, coming up, maybe that is the best thing uh, to get away from things. Um, here's the rest of what Musgrove said. We were talking about just getting out of here a little bit, getting together as a group outside the field. You want to have fun as a group, and we haven't had a whole lot of fun. So you get outside of here, let baseball be secondary, be a secondary thought for a little bit, and just have some fun together as a group and get to know each other on a little bit of a a deeper level. Uh, Hopefully that'll translate over to some more success in the field. We'll take some time on the road. We got some off days coming up trying to get together and have a little bit of fun away from the field. And I don't think that can hurt, right? As long as they're not like, you know, riding motorcycles or anything. Right? Playing some golf on an off day, I mean, I think that can't hurt, right? All right, quick break, and I'll get to the chat. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionbros.com, for their entire menu, and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. I'm just seeing right now Don actually tweeting about this Dinner on the Diamond event because I think he and Mud are hosting it. I think they've done it. I know they did it last year. I remember that. Padres posted a bunch of stuff about that. Um, all right, let's get to the chat. There are some numbers that I wanted to bring up, which it's it's kind of not great. I mean, not kind of. It's not great, but I'll get to that here in a little bit. It's Padres, their averages with runners in scoring position this year. Not, not as a team, but like players individually. Pedro says, best Padres chat in the world. I appreciate that. I I love interacting with Padres fans. I'm not always going to agree with some, um, but yeah, I love getting other fans thoughts. Again, if you want to join the show right now and just give your thoughts on this Padres team and where it's at, or have anything else on your mind, feel free to click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. Brent says what the team needs more than ever is actual depth Four superstars. Can't carry a team losing players like Alfaro Myers, Profar, and Drury has killed this team. Even Mazzara hit like three hundred for a stretch. Yeah, Mazzaro. That was like what a week, and then it cooled down. Trace Thompson got like one hit with us, and then he's like this Barry Bonds player with the Dodgers, of course. Yeah, so that sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that the depth should improve. Hopefully, it does. Um, that has not been a strong suit for Preller. I don't. I, I think that's fair to say but it's also depth for a reason. Like it's not, I know the Dodgers, like people will point to the Dodgers and be like, well, Ben, the Dodgers have great depth that yeah, they do. And I wish that the the Padres always had that great depth like the Dodgers do. Uh, But most teams you look at, it's like, if you're just a casual fan observer of major league baseball, you look at these, the the benches on other teams. And I don't think you're going to be super impressed by their depth. It's depth for a reason. Like they're not starting caliber players, for for the most part. So yeah, it's not going to be that strong. I wanted Will Myers back. I, I think I made my opinion, you know, known in the off season. But if they, I I I I, I understood them not like overpaying for Will Alfaro. They didn't they didn't like him really behind the plate. Right. And he struck out too much. So they went with Nola and Camposano. Then Camposano gets hurt. Severino just opted out. So it's Sullivan. Sullivan's up and he played well in the WBC played pretty well. I thought in spring training with, El- in El Paso as well. And that's the option. So could they have gotten Christian Vasquez? Yeah. I was talking with Rob Bradf- Rob Bradford, on episode 399 previewing this Red Sox Padres series, and he was talking about how yeah, the, the Twins they pretty much gave more money to Christian Vasquez. Like that's what happened. So the Padres could have paid more, but it's not like Christian Vasquez is doing amazing this year either. Um so depth, I mean, yeah, catching position, it could be better. Could be better in the outfield, I guess, but you look at the Padres and you look at their outfield Tatis and Soto at two of the positions they're underperforming. So I feel like sometimes us fans will look at like, okay, they're underperforming. Well, look at the other guys on this team. They suck too, or they suck even more. When I think we should have went coming into this year expecting like, yeah, the depth's not that great, but we have a lot of superstar talent. That's what's going to carry this team. And that superstar talent, has not performed up to expectations as a whole, like consistently this year. And I think that's a big reason why you're seeing this Padres team before games under 500 entering tomorrow's game. And talking about Profar and Drury, well, well Profar, he wanted a bigger deal. And so he opted out and the Padres, they already got some outfield solutions before that, before he signed with the Rockies. they They didn't want to overpay for him. And so they went with what they, they went with what they went with Profar wanted to start. He wasn't going to get that with the Padres when Tatis came back, right? He, he was only going to start probably to begin the year. I would have, I would have, I would have welcomed Profar back on the team as a good bench option, but he wanted to start and Drury, I would have welcomed back too, but so far I've been surp- not surprised. I, I, I've really liked what I've seen out of Jake Cronenworth. I think some fans might say they've been pleasantly surprised because they they haven't really seen Jake play consistent first base before, right? I mean, none of us had. He, he's played first before entering this year, but it wasn't like consistently. You know, second base was the position. Uh, shortstop as well when Tatis was out and they had Kim not playing short, right? Um, so... Some might have been pleasantly surprised there. I'm not surprised because Crony, I know, is, he's a, just a great athlete, a great player in general. He was going to work his butt off to be the best defensive first baseman that he can be, and he's only going to continue to improve with that. Um, So I'm fine with what the Padres did, having the platoon DH with Cruz and Carpenter. Those guys, I think, just need to play better as well. Um, I don't think they're performing up to expectations, especially when you look at the runners in scoring position numbers. Uh, especially with Matt Carpenter, You're not living up to the expectations. That's what it comes down to. Devin says, time to call up some guys in AAA. Jose Iglesias, Tim Lopes need to be brought up. Probably one of them, if and I assume that you'd say have Rugnet go, and I'd be fine with that. I don't think Rugnet Dor provides too much value to this team right now. Brent says, possibly even Rivas too, put him at first, Jake back at second. Alfonso Rivas, really? Well, then Carpenter and Cruz are both going to be on the bench. I don't know if the Padres want that. I think they want one of those guys playing. Devin says, I heard Gary Sanchez is going to get released by the Mets if he clears waivers. I would definitely jump on him immediately before someone else picks him up. Isn't there like an order for waivers? Like I think there's an order, so maybe another team will pick gary up before the padres even have a chance to i don't know really what the waiver order is or how that totally works to be honest but yeah i'd be open to gary sanchez have him play in el Paso for a little bit i don't i don't know if they'd immediately maybe they would because the catching position sucks right now maybe they'd have sullivan go down and immediately have gary sanchez come up to the big league level or maybe they would have sullivan on the roster have gary be the third catcher have a door just come down for a little bit and we're that no one gets hurt. Have Sanchez um, for a few days, learn the pitching at the big league level. Cause it's not like they can fake an IL stint or anything. Right. Um, unless he actually is hurt and they sign him as him being hurt, learn that the staff a little bit. Cause I think that's hard to bring in a catcher, you know, here it's not literally the middle of the season, but, Season's underway, obviously over forty games in. Have him come in and catch for guys that he's never caught before. That would, I think, that would be difficult. Maybe the Padres would feel like eh, we're probably just better off with guys that are familiar with the pitching staff. Brent says, I'm not a I-told-you-so guy, but I fully predicted before the season started this team would be worse than last year. I don't remember you saying that, but all right. Uh, Okay, you might be right for now, but the season's not over on May 18th here. We got a long way to go. So those that think that they're going to be a worse team this year than last year, what I would just say is I disagree with that. And we're just gonna have to wait to see. Like there's a long time left. And I still believe that at the end of the at the end of the season, this talent will end up playing up to that level. Right now, so far they have not, but I still believe in them. It's just frustrating, obviously. Um, I wanted to get to these runner and scoring position numbers before I forget. So I was just doing this, that's why I was supposed to come on like six o'clock, but I was looking these numbers up so it delayed the show a little bit. Um, but I just went through all of the players, really. I mean, Adam angle didn't have any runners in scoring position numbers because he hasn't really had any games with the Padres much in those spots. Uh, but just averages, all these players on the Padres so far this year. Now, it's, it's not the same amount of at-bats or same amount of games, but still, you can look at these numbers and it's like, wow, you'll see. Like, this is terrible. The Padres, they have, I think, one guy. One guy hitting over three hundred with runners in scoring position, and we can we can rank. Uh, I did. I, I, I sorted them in order, and this tweet will go out later on the Talking Friars Twitter account, so you'll see the graphic that I'm referring to here. But so I made this, and this is from worst to best. So Padres players batting averages with runners in scoring positions so far this season. Austin Nola, you could probably predict he's one of the worst. He is the worst. Uh, at 080 is his batting average with runners in scoring positions so far this season. Trent Grisham, 139. Jake Cronenworth, 162. Sander Bogarts, 175. Matt Carpenter, 188. You know, Matt Carpenter was one of the bigger free agent signings this offseason. Bogarts as well and they're doing terrible with runners in scoring position. Crony had that extension. He's not doing good. Uh Hassan Kim, 200 average. Neto Odor, 200 average. Juan Soto, 214. Manny, 243. Brett Sullivan, 250. Smaller sample size, obviously. Fernando, 273. And then Nelson Cruz, 333. Nelson Cruz is the best Padre so far this year, batting average right Batting average wise, with runners in scoring position, three thirty-three. He's the only guy hitting above three hundred on this team with runners in scoring position. That's how bad it is. And Austin Nola, Trent Grisham, okay, but you look at the other guys. You know the all-stars like Jake Cronenworth at one sixty-two and Xander Bogarts at one seventy-five, and Matt Carpenter, who's a, a veteran, and you expect more out of out of him than one eighty-eight with runners in scoring position, and. You know, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, even, you probably expect more than 214 and 243 with runners in scoring position. I'm not saying they have to be Barry Bonds and, or I don't even know what his runners in scoring position numbers were. I'm not, my point is, I'm not saying that they have to be hitting 500 of runners in scoring position. Like baseball is still a game of failure, but this is not normal. They're the worst team with runners in scoring position. And you can see why right there. Batting average is not the stat that. Everyone goes to nowadays, like that one simple stat, unless you're probably older, but it still definitely tells the story because that's the runner in scoring position numbers. Whenever I say someone went over or the team went over with runners in scoring position on a night, it's because they got no hits. So just looking at the average there, not good enough. It's not good enough at all. Brent says, Carp never should have got that contract based on that small of a sample size in New York. His track record of being mid is much longer. Yeah, but the Padres were trusting in the changes, the adjustments that Carp has made or, You know, or, going to the Yankees. You know how he raked? He's still doing that same thing, I, I believe at least. So they trusted that and they went after him. Carpenter has seen better days. I was hoping playing for a winning team would have given him a spark. He cares. Like he uh, – I just went over quotes earlier in this show about him caring. And he's he's pretty much saying, like, it's not effort. It's 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 about just execution in those situations when the situations come up. That's the problem. It's not like they don't want it or they don't care. He'd be the first to get on guys. He was saying that he'd be the first to get on guys. If, if he noticed that players didn't care as much as they should be, they care. You think that they like being booed by Padres fans at home after losing a series to the Kansas city freaking Royals? No, they don't. It's about the execution. So I don't, I don't know if it's about a spark. Like Tatis was that spark, right? How's the team playing now? You know, so I don't know if it's a spark. Like, baseball's a long season. It's just about being more consistent. Brent says, would have rather kept Bell than Carp. Uh, Bell actually has a recent track record, and yet he didn't hit in San Diego. But he walked a lot. Okay, what is, what is um, Josh Bell doing right now in the minors? Let's see here. Or not in the minors, sorry, majors. Why would I say the minors? We were talking about the minors earlier with Iglesias, probably, huh? Uh, so far this year, I mean, he's hitting 226. He has an OPS under 700, his OPS plus is below league average 96, four percent below league average. So, is he really being that much better than Matt Carpenter? I can check what he's doing with runners in scoring position here. Hold on one second. Eh, better than Carpenter with runners in scoring position, hitting 239 with runners in scoring position. But he he wanted to have consistent starting a consistent starting job, I think. And he got paid by Cleveland. So the Padres, they didn't want to do that. Personally, like I'm fine with them what they did this offseason, what Preller did. Carpenter, Cruz, two veterans, platoon. Great numbers, platoon-wise. Like, I I liked it. Crony, you can move him over. You have Kim there. Um, They brought in Xander Bogarts. Like, I loved that. And I'm going to continue to love it. I know he's not doing great as of late, not doing great this year with runners in scoring position. 175, like I just talked about. But I love that move. I think it's going to turn around. Uh, I'd rather have Bogarts here for the next decade then spend maybe have maybe not be able to pay him enough because you decided to pay like Drury and Josh Bell, if that makes sense. Brent says AJ should absolutely be on the hot seat. It's insane. We have a top three payroll uh, and have literally no depth whatsoever. No idea. He's going to fix it though, how he's going to fix it. well, he's going to fix it by maybe making moves at the deadline or that those depth guys just being better, or maybe trying to bring in other depth guys in AAA and seeing if that works. But also again, like they're depth guys. Like I don't think we should have these amazing expectations for these depth players because they're not starting players anyway, you know? And when you have a high payroll, right? You're, you're paying a lot, a lot of money to the superstars. So you're going to have to, it's a give and take. You're going to have to not have the higher salary bench players because you did pay the superstars. Brent says, if you're not going to DH carp and Cruz, though, what do you do with them? They can't play in the field carp could play first, I guess. Well, yeah. Is someone talking about someone in the chat talking about Someone needing to DH and not play the field? Oh, someone says here San Diego needs a catcher and a DH that can hit. Okay. So, yeah. Well, see, I like I said earlier, I think it's going to be Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz. They're going to be DHing. Like, that's what they came here to do. Carpenter will play first base a little bit. But, no, most of the time it's going to be, one of them DHing, because if both are on the bench, that limits your flexibility, your versatility, right? Because then that means someone else who can play other positions is DHing for that night. That that limits the flexibility, because Cruz isn't going to go play the field, right? And Carpenter can play first, maybe third a little bit, but it's really first. So, what if something happens there? Um, to a position that the DHs can't play. Maybe that becomes an issue. Brent says, Jake is wasted at first. Who has a defensive first baseman? His value is being played at, at second. I disagree with that. I, I think Hassan Kim's a great uh, defensive player. I think Jake has been really good defensively. And how many times have the Padres been saved by Crony's defensive plays at first base. A lot. There are some games that they wouldn't be able to win this year if he didn't make a play that ended an inning or something like that, you know? So I don't think he loses all his value at first base. Uh, Maybe he loses some value, okay. But... Again, they brought in Carpenter and Cruz. Those are veteran DHs. You can't have Carpenter play every day at first base when he's, what, 37? So Kim's going to play second most times, and Crony's going to be playing first. Sorry, I, I just see this. I guess I'm way behind on the chat. This, this, These comments were from like a half an hour ago. Sorry about that. Iron Swan says, Bogarts was excellent at bringing the bat to the ball no matter how far off the plate. He seems to be selective now, and those close balls end up being called strikes. I haven't really noticed him being more selective. I just think the hits aren't falling, Um, and he might be striking out more. uh, But, yeah, I mean, it feels like he's rolling over some balls more. I haven't dug too deep into like the results from Bogart's, like how many ground, what's his ground ball rate recently and all that. It's, it's for me, it's been more just looking at, oh, the basic numbers, like wow. Uh, in May so far, he has been struggling. And oh, wow. With runners in scoring position this year, he's hitting 175. I'll be definitely paying attention to that more now because now I've seen those numbers and I'm like, wow, okay. So, you know really puts you on alert like how much longer is this going to continue steve says mark sweeney says the players and coaching have an intentional strategy to look for breaking balls and not fastballs and that is a mistake yeah i I think you should be hunting the fastball especially in some situations where like i was watching this so the kansas city series i think grish was up at the plate and I, i know i keep feels like i keep picking on grish but he's just one that stands out obviously since this last series he just sucked um there was an at bat where this guy could not throw a breaking ball for a strike and it's like he's pumping the fast was it chapman maybe might have been chapman i forget who it was but the fastballs were strikes and it's like okay it's a three two count here a fastball is coming it might have been nolan now that i think about it but like a fastball is coming here You know, you should be, you should know that a fastball is coming. That's kind of like the anticipation thing, like Bogarts was talking about earlier, right? You got to anticipate a fastball coming in that spot. He can't throw the fastball or any other pitch other than the fastball for a strike. The fastball is the only pitch that he can throw in there. So you got to expect it. And guess what? A fastball comes and swings right through it. Or he either swung right through it or didn't swing it at all. It's like you got to anticipate it more To your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. J.D.'s third says they need a manager to get in their face, kick them in their butt, and tell them they are horrible at what they do, stop babying them, and stroking their egos. I don't think Bo Mill's babying them. I mean, he called them out after the Minnesota series. It's not like he can call them out every day. I mean, that's going to get old. The message is going to get stale. Like, at some point, it comes down just to players being better. I don't think he needs to be hard on them. Like, I think they're hard on themselves. You saw Tati slamming his bat yesterday when he popped up. Soto slamming his helmet sometimes. Just the quotes after, you know, Manny's pissed off. Obviously, they're pissed off. I don't think it. I don't think they need Bomo to come in there and be like, "Guys, you guys don't care enough. Come on, let's go." He already did that in Minnesota. He can't go in there every day. You can't go in there after every series. Look. I think they're self-motivated. They know they're World Series contending. They, they went into the season as a World Series contender, right? And I still believe long-term that they are. Um, they're just not showing it right now, obviously. They know the ex- they knew the expectations going into this season. I think they still have those same expe- expectations of themselves. And when you're not living up to them and you have your crowd booing you, yeah, that you're pissed off about it. They don't need... Motivation from Bob Melvin. I, I, if they do, then yeah, I probably don't want them on the team. Like, I want these guys to be self motivated. I want them to, you know, have that drive to continue working at it. Steve says, Ben says it's not coaching and then proceeds to give examples of poorly coached players. Is it though? They have a ton of information, Steve. The players get a ton of information from these coaches. And coaches, you think that the coaches don't tell them, all right, this guy throws this pitch and two strike counts. With two strikes, this is what you're doing. This is what needs to change. You don't think that they're doing that? Of course they are. It's on the players to change it and come through with runners in scoring position and don't swing out of your shoes with two strikes. Stuff like that. Again, it's more on the players. The coaches, of course, the coaches prepare them and tell them what they're doing and give them advice. Of course they do. I mean, it's their job. Pedro says, yep, yeah, Bomell was supposed to be the magic genie. Genie. He was a mix of old school and analytic baseball. Doesn't look like he can coach a 10-year-old Little League team from Encinitas with attitudes. What happened last year? Grisham was on the team. There, were, there was a lot of the same guys on last year's team, and they went to the NLCS. They struggled in the regular season. They did. Obviously, I think some Padres fans remember those struggles, right? And they got out of it with that same manager and almost the same coaching staff. I mean, same pitching coach, same manager, same bench coach. Ryan Flaherty was there last year, and it worked last year. Yeah, J.D.'s third says, shouldn't millionaires know what to do? If they know what to do, why don't they do it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they should know what to do. And... I think the results just aren't showing right. There there's there are some guys where the approach needs to be better. But I think some I think oh, sometimes some of these guys they're just pressing too much. And that's where the struggles are coming from. Just going through the chat here. JD third says we're putting lipstick on a pig continuously. What do you mean by that? Like me trying to make it seem like it's better than it is. I'm saying, I'm not saying that it's, it sucks right now. Team's not playing well right now, but I'd be lying to you if I just sat here and said, I don't think this team's going to turn it around. I think this team is screwed. No. I don't think they're totally screwed. I think this team can go still make the postseason, and they can still be a World Series contender at the end of the year. It's a long year. Right now, the team sucks. The offense sucks, I should say. The pitching doesn't suck. All right, another break here, and then we'll get back to the chat and then some other San Diego sports. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code, Friers, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right. I'm looking at the chat here, and there's a lot of comments in here. Pedro's talking about the Padres whiffing on Dave Roberts, whiffing on Bochi, whiffing on Dusty Baker, Ron Washington. What's the problem is they don't have championship pedigree from Bommel. Well. Yes, I look. Dave Roberts. I'm totally fine that the Padres don't have Dave Roberts as the manager. I mean, come on. Have you seen what he's done in the postseason? I'm f- totally fine with that. Dusty Baker. I would have been fine with Ron Washington. I wanted over Jace Tingler. I remember. I mean, you can ask my friends in high school. I remember we were in the I think in the weight room on the day because I was playing baseball. at Uh, I went to Helix High School, for anyone that doesn't know. And we were getting ready to go in the weight room, and Tingler was hired, and I was pissed off. Like, really, they hired Jace Tingler when they could have went with Ron Washington? I mean, just stupid. Uh, Yeah, I was pissed off about that. So, yeah, you're right about that one. Um, But, like, sitting here right now, like, I'm fine with having Bob Melvin as this team's manager. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he has a pretty good support staff around him. Right now it's down to the players on offense needing to execute when the situations arise. The players themselves are saying that. I don't know what more you want. Like the players are saying they have to execute situationally. Players are saying we get a ton of information, you know, like, Look at the numbers. The players are the ones that have to be better in these spots. That's what it is. All right, I'll get back to the chat later. So Seth Lugo, the Padres, I know it's an off day, so maybe they're going to announce it on social media tomorrow. But I was looking at their transaction transaction log, whatever you call it, uh, on their website today, and I saw that Seth Lugo was placed on the 15-day IL With a calf strain retroactive to yesterday, so May 17th. And the Padres have recalled Ryan Weathers. David Dahl has been optioned to El Paso. Um, So I guess he's starting a rehab assignment there, or has he already been on a rehab assignment? And the rehab assignment, like amount of time that you can have on a rehab assignment, has gone and went. And so he has to be with AAA because they don't want to bring him up yet. I don't know. But Anyway, Lugo's on the I.L. Weather's coming up. Not surprised by this. I don't think we should. Lugo had the calf strain at the end of the second inning on Tuesday after he sucked in that second inning. Uh, it did not affect his his performance. He just sucked. The end of the second inning, he strained it going over to cover first and then goes on the I.L. Uh, Ryan Weathers, he's pitched pretty good for the Padres. I think he's exceeded expectations. For the Padres so far this year, I think he has five starts and two relief outings, or something, maybe six starts, something like that. He's pitched well, and so they're going to need him for probably a couple more starts, uh, and then maybe Lugo comes back, and then he, Weathers would go back down to the minor leagues. So whenever Weathers pitches, the Padres will probably want Martinez or Brent Honeywell to be available to go multiple innings after weathers. So let's say Lugo comes back after what, 15 days. So he'd be available, I think like early June, June 1st, June 2nd, somewhere around there. So it'll be a little bit because it sucks. It sucks. And it also doesn't suck. Like it sucks because Lugo had been pitching good. I know he sucked on Tuesday, but he had been pitching good. But it also doesn't suck because this does give Lugo some time off. And we knew that he was going to have to take time off from starting at some point this year. So maybe he spends less time in the bullpen. Hopefully, what I'm hoping is at the end of the year, he does go to the bullpen. It's nothing against Lugo. I just think that in the postseason, having Martinez and Lugo and Hayter at the back of that bullpen will make the bullpen stronger. And the bullpen, we know, is crucial in the postseason. So I would I would like to see that. And you, you don't use the whole rotation in the postseason. So I would like to see that, obviously, if everyone remains healthy. Um, but for the regular season, I mean, we knew a break was going to have to happen. And this can be a little bit of a break for Lugo, you know, innings-wise. Maybe Mick, Nick Martinez still goes back to the rotation at some point this year and Lugo goes to the pen. But maybe it won't be for as long of a period of time i'm fine with nick starting but i think he's most effective as a reliever and like i just said postseason time comes i think lugo would probably be most effective in the bullpen um with snell musgrove darvish waka starting postseason games that's assuming that no like corbin burns addition is made to the rotation or anything like that just the rotation as is maybe they line up with those four and then they have Lugo go to the pen. I think that makes the team stronger uh, as just a unit, just as a pitching staff. Um, So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens then. But that was a move that happened today. Lugo on the IL, Weathers being called up. Not a surprise. Uh, JD's third says... Have you seen what Bo Mid had done in the postseason? Okay, now I really think Ben is being paid by the Padres. Maybe you're joking on that. I'm definitely not being paid by the Padres. Um, I saw what Bo Mel did in the postseason, yeah. I saw that he guided the Padres to the NLCS, and then he made some mistakes. Yeah, I understand that. But every manager in baseball has made mistakes before. Bo Mel, I think, is one of the best managers in baseball. And I think if you ask players that anonymously and they could say whatever they want, I think they would still say that he's one of the better managers in baseball. And the Padres, I'll say this for for now, I think the Padres are lucky to have him. I was stoked when they hired him uh, from the A's. And I still like having Bommel as the manager. Like I said earlier, I, I wish they had Ron Washington at the time of that Tingler hiring and I I would still be fine with Ron Washington. I mean, we don't know how that would have played out. That's one of those what ifs, right? Because he was a finalist and he would have taken the job if he would have gotten it. Uh, And Preller decided to go with Tingler. And that's one of those things that Preller will probably never live down, right? Like, unless he wins a World Series. Like, dude, you went with Tingler, uh, a second first-time manager. After going with Andy Green, you went with Tingler over Ron Washington. Like, that was just stupid, I think. Um and it ended up being pretty stupid. But yeah, getting back to Bo Mel, I'm, I'm fine with having Bob Melvin as his team's manager. I still believe, I think he's a good manager. He knows what he's doing. He's made some mistakes, but I hopefully when the postseason comes around, assuming the Padres make it, he can not have to have those same mistakes happen again, and he'll have learned from those mistakes. That's all we can really say, right? All right. Let's get to what happened today around San Diego. I'll start before we get to the MLS. I want to touch on San Diego state here. So it came down today that San Diego state basketball, they landed a transfer from Campbell university, six, nine listed as a forward, uh, J He's from Omaha, a rope, obviously, like there was a connection there. They knew each other. A rope had talked with this transfer going into this whole process, even before like he entered the transfer portal. So now the Aztecs, they land him and he was telling the Union Tribune, I saw this in the Union Tribune today, you can play me at any position. So it seems like he, he, he might be more of like a, a, on the wing type player but listed as a forward can play really anywhere and maybe this is the replacement for it seems like seems like it would be one of the replacements for keisha johnson who i I think is going to announce where he's transferring this weekend i think usc's in there i think kentucky's in there i think oklahoma's in there There there's some other schools as well but he should announce it i think this weekend i saw that on social media this week um but yeah it's it seems like it's a, a good transfer that the Aztecs are landing tall he's not he he does not weigh as much as Keshaw did I was comparing the two but I mean he's 6'9 and can play multiple spots 12.3 points is what he averaged last year in college 6.9 rebounds and 1.4 assists a game again out of Campbell University and I'm I'm anxious to see I'm interested to see how he plays. And now Brian Dutcher and the Aztecs, I think that they're going to try to fill one more spot, trying to get like that Nathan Mensa replacement, at least for that spot on the roster, because you would think this is the key shot. I think Reese Dixon waters was kind of like the Matt Bradley. I don't, I don't know if he's going to lead the Aztecs in points, but just replacing guys on the roster that are not going to be there anymore. Um, You know, a rope, right. He's not there. So probably that one more guy, because the Aztecs, I don't think that they fill all 13. I think it's 13 scholarship spots. If I could be mistaken on that, so don't quote me on that. But it could be – I think it's 13 scholarship spots that you could have. The Aztecs usually go to 12, not 13. I think they leave one open usually. Um, and they, they have 11 filled right now. So – I'm I'm looking at this article that Mark Ziegler does a great job. I think at least covering San Diego State, um, and he was pretty good in the MLS stuff too, uh, on the Union Tribune. Yeah, six foot nine grad transfer. I'm looking here on how many scholarship players State usually adds. Um, Aztecs. Okay, so eleven scholarship players for next season. That's assuming Lamont comes back, Jaden Ladee comes back, which I would expect them to come back. Neither one got invited to the draft combine. I'd expect both to come back. And we already know Lamont Butler, he's not transferring. Um, it's either NBA or um, back to state. So Dutcher says here, typically has not used all 13 that are available, preferring to go with 12 but that still leaves room for at least one more transfer uh, this spring. And it says here, yeah, you presume that that would be uh, someone to replace Nathan Mensa, two-time Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Transfer portal, it's not as strong as it was, obviously, at the beginning of the basketball offseason um, with guys going elsewhere, obviously. There was the New Mexico transfer, right? He ended up going to, I think, Nebraska, right? Warren Washington ended up going to, I think, USC. So, and Keyshot obviously transferring. So they've had to replace some guys, but especially if Lamont comes back, I think you got to like this team's chances again for the Mount West. And we'll see how many more years they play in the Mount West, obviously, because hopefully this expansion stuff can end by the end of the summer. And we'll know where state's going to be in 2025, right? 2024. um, That fall of 2024, right? All right. So that's the San Diego State stuff. Now, moving on to the San Diego MLS expansion announcement that happened today. It was really cool, I think, seeing Manny Machado show up there. I was not there. But getting to see Manny, you know, the pictures, the videos that were taken at Snapdragon Stadium. I think everyone was surprised when they saw Manny, didn't know that Manny was going to end up being one of the minority owners of this club. Uh, But for anyone that doesn't know, just some background here, what happened today, who's involved. So it was Don Garber, obviously, the commissioner of the MLS. He was there. Rob Stone was emceeing the event from Fox. And Mohammed Mansour, obviously, he is the big owner, the the main owner. But then there's the chairman of Saquon, Cody Martinez. Those are the two like main guys for this franchise. San Diego FC is what the website is, SanDiegoFC.com. I think that's what they might go with, but it's not official. Like, there's no official name yet. I think they're still going to go out in the community, which is smart. Go out in the community and see if maybe they find a better name, or I was listening to Jim Russell on John and Jim. Jim was there today with John at the event. And he was saying that the CEO of the club, Tom Penn was saying that it's either going to be FC San Diego or San Diego FC. I would probably prefer San Diego FC. That's how they're branding it now. And maybe that's just how it is. I mean, before this press conference happened, like leading up to this, I was just, I was saying like, yeah, it's not going to be loyal and that sucks, but I'd be fine with just San Diego FC, SDFC, kind of like LAFC. I don't think it needs to be super special or anything like that. San Diego FC, you know what I care about is how they care about the community, what they're doing there, and obviously the results on the field. right? Um, so more information here. So there's a website, again, saniegofc.com. $18 deposit for season tickets. Which is what you'll see on the website, and that eighteen dollars, you might be like, that's a weird price. The eighteen dollars is for the eighteen cities that make up San Diego County, and all proceeds. I think this was cool. All proceeds go to the San Diego Foundation. So, those that are making that deposit for season tickets for San Diego FC, at least that's the placeholder name right now, you're benefiting nonprofits. Uh, So that is cool. Um, The there is going to be a party. They're labeling it Let's Kick It Party on Saturday at 7 p.m. during the Padre game, though, so I don't know how many people are actually going to show up. But that's at Snapdragon, 7 p.m. on Saturday. The founding partners, so not the two main guys, Mohammed mansour Mansoor and Cody Martinez with Saquon, uh, but the founding partners, so like the minority owners, uh, Manny Machado, Brad Termini. Termini, I think he's from San Diego. There's Tom Vernon. He is like the head of the Right to Dream which they're going to be building in San Diego. There's one in Egypt, I believe, one in Ghana. Might be one somewhere else as well. But they're going to build one here, and it's kind of like an academy. And it's like 12-year-olds to like age 16 that they're going to bring in, and they're going to really focus on developing them. There's classrooms there. There's obviously fields. And it's really focusing on the development of these players, not so much like, the win-loss results, um, and some of these players will end up playing for the hit, the big MLS club, which will be cool to see. I would expect San Diego FC to be one of the younger clubs in the MLS uh, years down the road, obviously, when this academy you know, really gets going. Uh, after 2025, 2025, it's probably going to get going. They're probably going to start that really, really soon, because you want to get that academy going so you can start that pipeline, right? Um, but the uh, there's no official team name, no official colors, but we're thinking maybe it's going to be, I saw on social media, maybe red, white, yellow, or red, white, gold. Um, so no official team name, but San Diego FC, it seems like that's what they're going with for now as that placeholder, and maybe that ends up being the team Manny he did speak and I think it's cool I think it's cool that Manny is one of the minority owners for San Diego FC this new MLS soccer club um, on the website they call him a founding partner but it's kind of like a minority owner uh, Tom Penn he was asked by the media today about how much how, how much does Manny own of this team and he wouldn't get into it but said that it was significant uh, and you know Manny talked about how yeah he's he's been following soccer but he has to get more into mls and i think that's kind of what a lot of us feel like maybe we aren't the biggest mls fans right now because san diego doesn't have a team but now that we know that they will have a a club we're probably going to be starting to watch more mls matches i know i will maybe some will only care about the san diego club like i'm sure some wave fans only care about the wave not just all of nwsl I care about all of NWSO and I'll probably care about all the MLS just because I'm a dire San Diego sports fan. Um, and I, I just care about the entire league that the San Diego teams are in. That's just the way I am. Um, but yeah, I think Manny, he's going to get more familiar with MLS. And this gives this, this uh, San Diego club immediate luck. I don't know credibility i don't know if that's the right word like because i think credibility like that's going to be that's going to take time i think especially you know trust i, I think that's definitely going to take time but the casual fan the less than casual soccer fan that might not go to mls matches or might not be really interested in this right now but they see manny machado on an off day doing this and he's one of the part owners of this club they're like oh if manny likes this I'm going to go check this out. Maybe I could see Manny at one of these matches. Like that would be sick. Manny, you know, Manny, Manny wouldn't be buying into something that he doesn't think is good. Right. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go check this out. Manny likes it. I'll like it. I I think some fans will think that. And there's celebrity owners all over the place in soccer. Uh, I know with Wrexham, obviously that's big, but even in the NWSL with, angel city there's actors there and lafc there are big celebrities there um and there's former players that invest in these teams right or you know they, they have stakes in these teams so i think kevin durant in the nba i think he has something with uh the philadelphia philadelphia union the mls philadelphia team so it just creates like that familiarity because maybe some soccer fans they have no idea who Mohammed Mansour is. They have no idea who Tom Penn is or any of these guys. They don't know who Cody Martinez is, right? But they they know who Manny is. And so they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check this out with Manny on board. I think that's good. I, I think that I don't think it can hurt the San Diego club here to have Manny be one of the minority owners of it. I, th- I think Joe Musgrove, maybe eventually they add some more uh, founding partners or minority owners to this club. I, I think Joe Musgrove would be a no-brainer. Maybe they wouldn't have as high of a stake in the team as Manny. Maybe just money-wise, right? We know Manny has a ton of money. Uh, Musgrove, smaller contract. But, like, I think Bogart's. Musgrove, those two point those those two stick out to me. Maybe Tatis even, but Musgrove sticks out obviously from San Diego, the San Diego ties, right? If they're not going to have a connection with the Loyal, then you want as many San Diego ties as you can get, right? So Saquon, Manny, obviously playing with the Padres, Musgrove. Hopefully, I mean, I think that would be a good fit. They they I think the MLS club will probably try to get Alex Morgan involved. With, obviously she's with the wave, try to get her involved somehow, or maybe when her career is over, get her involved. I know she'll probably be involved with the wave, but I think having Alex Morgan would definitely not hurt. And Xander Bogarts, he loves soccer, loves soccer. He was playing so I remember there's a video out. I, um, maybe it was Marty Caswell that had that clip in Mexico City. Preller's walking around during batting practice on the phone. And Bogarts is playing soccer with, I think, one of the support staff of the Padres. Like, he loves it. So I think that would be a no-brainer. Bogarts is going to be here for the next decade. So continuing to have those San Diego connections, those celebrity connections, I think that can only help bring in more of the casual or even less than casual soccer fans, uh, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Um, Anything else? They plan to visit each city. I was listening to the Darren Smith Show Today, Jack Cronin was at that news conference, and he was talking about how, yeah, the they were saying how they they plan to visit all 18 cities in the county, I think one city a month, so really involving themselves in the community, and that is super important with the soccer club building a soccer club uh, in the MLS. Like that is important. Like they don't rely. I was saying this the other day. They don't rely on the. TV deal as much as the NFL does. Like they rely a lot on the rev- the ticket revenue, the gate. And soccer is a lot about community. So they got to connect and show that they care about this community if they want this to be successful. I think today it was a good start. There's a lot of work to be done. Um and I hope I can be a part of that at, at some point. Um I'm gonna root again, I'm gonna root for the loyal, I'm gonna root for the San Diego Club. Whatever the team name ends up being, right now they're running with San Diego FC. We'll see if it ends up being a different permanent name. Um, I'm rooting for San Diego. Like I'm just a hard San Diego fan, and I want what is best for the city of San Diego. And I think what's best for the city of San Diego is for all of its teams to succeed and excel. Right? So Snapdragon Stadium, it, it's it has become one of the places to be in San Diego. There's going to be a lot of matches this summer, Manchester United, obviously MLS coming 2025, the wave. So I can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Any more comments in here? I know I probably lost some of the, the Padre fans that were coming to talk Padres, but I talked about it for what, an hour. Uh, and I'll, I can still talk about it if you want to. That's just what this show has evolved into. Like, I don't have my own sports radio show right now. So, uh, I, I won't be able to talk about other San Diego sports on this show, because this is my, this is like my sports radio show. So I would like to save it for the end. Cause I know it's a Padres based show and it's going to be always. And most of the audience is here for the Padres. So I try to make it as. as I try to make it make sense as much as possible. Like you come for some Padres fans, they come for the Padres. All right, I'm starting with the Padres. I'm going to talk Padres for the majority of the episode. And then if you want to go, you can go. And I appreciate everyone that stays with. And if you don't, I appreciate you being here talking Padres. Uh, Gil says the ownership for the new MLS franchise owns a team in Denmark, which is only one point behind powerhouse Copenhagen. It reinforces my expectations that this team will be good from the very start. I I think part of that depends on what players they get, right? There's the expansion draft. Next up, obviously the name and the the crest, the colors, right? And the community. But what coaches do they get? You know, who's going to be the GM? What players do they bring in? Are they going to bring in that star player? I know it's different with the MLS because – with soccer, right? Like the best players they're playing in the English Premier League, right? Uh, They're playing in what? What are the other leagues? La Liga? uh, I I forget what the other leagues are. Champions League, right? They're playing in those leagues. Uh, Saudi Arabia, right? I think that's where Ronaldo's playing. So you're not going to get those players unless like they're at the end of their careers, right? Uh, And maybe that's what uh, Mohamed um, Mansoor, Cody Martinez, uh, San Diego FC, That's maybe that's what they decide to do. Um, I, I think bringing in that star player, even if he's past his prime, I think that attracts people as well. But I expect it to be one of the younger teams. And maybe it'll take some time. I mean, I don't think we should have super high expectations right out of the gate. Maybe that'll change, though, based on what the team looks like. Is that right, Gil? Says Bogarts delayed his intro press conference because Netherlands was playing Argentina during the World Cup. I mean, maybe he did. I know he—he's watching. He was watching the matches. Yeah, he's a soccer fan. So, I think him being a part like Manny at some point, I think that's a no-brainer. All right, that's gonna do it. An off day. I had a couple shows out today. Again, Red Sox Padres preview with Rob Bradford of WEEI. That is out now as well. Then here talking about the Padres offense, what do they need to do better, and then some other San Diego sports stuff. Hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your night. If you're listening to this on Friday, have a great weekend. I'll be back with a series reaction uh, after the series finale on Sunday. Padres Red Sox Friday. That game is at 640. Saturday, I believe it's at 710. And then on Sunday, it's that day game. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun series. Maybe I'll see you all at the ballpark. All right. See you everybody. Go Padres.